Thank you for tuning in again to the Radio Bible Course and our study of the book of Hebrews. Today we begin reading with verse 5 of chapter 2. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man, that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man, that thou carest for him? Thou didst make him for a little while lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for every one. This section, beginning with verse 5, continues the theme of the author, which is that Christ is greater than angels. That theme began with verse 4 in chapter 1. And for a good purpose, for the Hebrews addressed here were guilty of minimizing or perhaps forsaking the deity of the Son of God. The warning at the opening of chapter 2 appears to indicate as much about those Hebrew Christians, for the author writes, Therefore we must pay the closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Well, they had heard about Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of God, not a Son of God, the promised Messiah, the one who could speak in the waves and the wind would obey his voice the one who, one who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so early Christians knew about all the miracles that Jesus had done, and they were impressive. God gave signs. These miracles were signs that Jesus was who he claimed to be. But the Hebrews had been drifting away from that, apparently. And what might have instigated that? false teaching, teaching from Jews who were exalting angels above Jesus. You see, the Jews of the Old Testament had very high regard for angels, and apparently some of them had been promoting this angelic lordship. But the writer here wants to exalt Jesus above the angels, and he does it admirably in chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews. Now, in chapter 2 and verse 5, the author continues to exalt Jesus Christ by quoting Psalm 8, verses 4 to 6. Now, this psalm, often referred to as a messianic psalm, is instead, I believe, a reference to man, and it expresses how God made man in his image and intended that he would rule over everything on the earth being in submission only to his Creator. I see Psalm 8 expressing man's exalted position from the Creator's point of view. It is true that in verse 9 the author makes an application to Jesus, but notice verse 5, where he states that the future world 
was not made for the dominion of angels. Well, for whom was it made then? Well, before we answer that, the word world here is not the common Greek word for world, which is cosmos, and we get our word cosmetics from that. The Greek word here instead means the inhabited earth, and I think it is a direct reference to that future kingdom reign of the Son of Man with his saints. Saints, you know, are believers. When the Bible uses the word saint, it's not the way we use the word saint. A saint is one who has believed in Jesus Christ. He's a living person. The word saint is not concerned with the morality or the virtue of the person who has believed in Christ. Now, getting back to Hebrews chapter 2, there are scholars who don't accept such a kingdom rule, as I have mentioned, a rule of Jesus on the earth, and most of them follow an amillennial interpretation which rejects the literal interpretation of prophecies concerning the future of Israel and the rule of the Messiah over them. Now, where does this notion of a messianic reign originate? It has its roots in the Old Testament. It was reinforced by Gabriel's announcement to the Virgin Mary when he said that Jesus, this child that she would bear, would be great and would be called the Son of the Most High, and he will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom. There will be no end. In addition... This messianic reign is described very plainly in Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. Listen to it. Now, before I read it, I want to bring you back to why we are looking at this. I am saying that Hebrews chapter 2, which quotes Psalm 8, is talking about the rule of man which God intended on the earth. Well, man fell, but he has been rescued by Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the one who is going to rule on this earth. And Revelation chapter 20 tells us about that, but it also brings man who believes in Jesus Christ into that rule. Now listen to what Revelation 20 says. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were ended. After that he must be loosed for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom judgment was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, 
but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. Notice verse 6, they shall reign with him a thousand years. They'll be priests of God and priests of Christ. Well, this, I believe, is the fulfillment of Psalm 8. And had it not been for the fall of man in the Garden of Eden when he was tempted by that serpent, he would have ruled the earth continually after God breathed in him the breath of life. That's how much God thought of his creation. He made man in his own image, and he intended a glorious career for this creature, a career of dominion over the plants and animals on this earth. But instead, everything is not in subjection to him. I am sure that the author of Hebrews knew what came before what he quoted here in Hebrews chapter 2. Here's what precedes that famous question. When I consider the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Man in his fallen state is not very much. But man, made in the image of the Creator, had been granted lordship in creation. Is there any hope now for man? There is, but only by union with the Son of Man, who did not sin, and who will return some day to rule. That's a promise of the prophets, and that's a promise of Jesus Christ as well as his apostles. Now the question is, how can you and I be united to him so that someday we can rule with him? The Bible gives the answer, and the answer is, by faith in Christ, that kind of trust accepts Jesus as my representative. He served my cause in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But he will also serve as the head of all things in his coming kingdom. When I believe in him, I am united with him. I become a part of him, and God accepts me the way God accepts him. That's the only way I can possibly rule with him, for I am unworthy. But once I am in Christ, I am hidden in him. His righteousness covers me, and his holiness is like a garment over my evil. Jesus came to rescue fallen man. The author of the book of Hebrews speaks of this in verse 9. He writes, But we see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for every one. The entire New Testament supports this interpretation of verse 9. It is speaking about Jesus, the one who came to be born and to live as a man, but without sin, contrary to the rest of the human race, and then to taste death for every man. That statement, however, is preceded by what is obvious. In verse 8 he said, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, and he's talking about man, created man, he left nothing outside his control. 
as it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, and that's true, because man had fallen. But from the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, and the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Now listen to see if the next statement coincides with what we have been saying about Hebrews chapter 2. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That was God's intention from the beginning, but man fell. And what's the author's purpose here? Not to exalt man but to show that God did not put this world under the subjection of angels. He put it under the subjection of man, and Jesus became a man and was victorious over death, and he will rule and fulfill everything that God had planned. Please join me tomorrow for more about the book of Hebrews. The Radio Bible Course is an independent Bible teaching ministry of laymen supported by friends and listeners. Because of volunteers, it has no payroll, and all gifts are used to defray ministry expenses. We welcome your questions and your comments about the Bible. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you to rejoice in the good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 149. 16 Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.